So, Jason, I was really looking forward to this episode because, well, I mean, not because I don't like just sitting in the basement alone with you recording. It's not that, but we were going to take a field trip. I know it, dude. But we were going to take a field trip to Foster Coffee Co. Uh, they just opened up a location in downtown Flint, and we we were scheduled to meet with them tonight, and it just didn't work out. And that and that happens sometimes. Yeah. But it only happens when we say this is who we're going to be on I the know, podcast. I know, with. dude. I put that out on Twitter. So and that's I don't my blame. Bad. I don't blame uh, John or Nick, who are the owners of Foster Coffee Cup. In, in fact, I, I, I'll say this: like you guys are busy, we understand. We get it totally. And they said back to us. Uh, I, I was talking to John specifically. He said we want to come on the show. We just could not make tonight work. Oh, He's cool. like, when's the next time we can get on? And I told him, you know, maybe in December. No, I saw their on. hours of operation. Yeah. You know, they just opened the location, and then you told me what time we were meeting. I was like, that's a long day for them. Like, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk to the guys from Foster Coffee Co. Uh, in the future because I really want to get their story and their mission with their their coffee company. Plus, but field trips are my favorite. They're so much fun. We do three things on this podcast. What? We have serious episodes. Yep. We have fun, stupid, nonsensical episodes. Yep. And we have field trips. That's and we haven't right. done a field trip in a while. That's absolutely. I'm Jonesing right. for a field trip. <laughs> so, uh, here's the thing. Even though we didn't get them on the show, I want to give them some mad love because I I always appreciate and love businesses in downtown Flint because they're the they're part of the reason why Flint is making this resurgence and is coming back is these businesses coming in and bringing people to the city and when people see the city and they say oh like this is Flint like this is actually really nice and really awesome so I really appreciate Foster for coming to Flint and um, guys if you find yourself in the Flint area. You can walk on down the street. You stop in at Paul's Pipe Shop. We haven't talked about Paul's Pipe Shop at all. And this, I'm, I not, have, I'm not condoning smoking. I used to work two doors down from Paul's Pipe Shop, and I have been into the unseen bowels of Paul's Pipe Shop. Oh, I've been in the back. So have I. It's it, nuts. It was like Indiana Jones, and I was just getting a soda. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like once I took the soda out, of the machine that I needed to replace it with something else. <laughs> Otherwise a giant boulder was going to come and crush you. Yes. Uh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, stop on by Paul's pipe shop, grab some pipe tobacco if that's your thing. Yeah. Or if you just like coffee, go to foster coffee company and really just support those guys. They're good guys. Um, might as well hit up Flint city t-shirts while you're at it. Might as well nice hit up all that. You want to stop in and get a crepe, go to Flint crepe company. Yeah. If you like beer, go to tenacity brewing, which we were also there. There's all kinds of great stuff you can do in Flint, so don't don't be afraid of Flint, people. Flint's a really awesome place to visit, and lots of good stuff happening in Flint. But oh, if you guys like the the band, so save me, and they they play. Uh, we use their music for our our, our pulpit pulpits. intro. Uh, these are the guys from So Save Me that started Foster Coffee yeah, Company. Yeah, which so, is just a really cool connection. I can't wait to to meet them and catch up on some old scene stuff. It's, yeah. So, it's one of my so things good. that I like to do. Uh, you know, uh, side tangent here. Yeah. A little daylight savings time. Yeah. Totally adjusted my poop schedule <laughs> to where I'm not oh pooping gosh. at church anymore. I'm oh. just saying that like that, like I'm not a big fan of daylight savings time. You have reached time, a new level of sanctification, my friend. But when I realized before church that my pooping schedule 
had been adjusted so that I no longer need to poop at church. I was, you know, what? I kind of like daylight savings times now. I, I, I get it. I understand it. So thanks, Benjamin Franklin, for setting up daylight savings time. Ooh, little history. I learned that from National Treasure, a movie hi- with Nick Cage. Well, why not learn everything we know from movies? <laughs> but uh, if we can take a, a drastic turn to the more serious side. Yeah, we got to. Sorry, I was just talking poop for a moment. Uh we're gonna need we're gonna need some laughter eventually, but we need to talk about what happened earlier this week in uh, Texas. Yeah, I mean, normally we don't do like a reactionary type episode. I typically frown on them. Yeah. Um, just because I like to have more time. So we're recording this on a Tuesday. It happened this past Sunday. That's not a lot of time to digest. Yeah. Information or, or how I feel about things or but we in light of our field trip being postponed we had to come up with a topic. We decided to get reactionary and it does tie into with thoughts I've had this week. It ties in with our death episode we did last week. Absolutely guys. So sit back and just try and think about this, pray about this and enjoy two guys who couldn't make it uh, as pastors as they try and figure out what's going on. This is not your pastors. What do we do now episode? Jason, here we are. Earlier this week, we had the uh, the shooting happen in Texas. Yeah, dude. At the Texas church. I mean, what an awful way to follow up on our death episode. I I think this is going to tie in, though. Yeah. A little bit. Because, I mean, we... we I mean, we had no way of knowing what was going to happen this, this past weekend. I mean, there was also the... Uh, what was it? Last week, there was the terrorist... Attack in New York. Yeah. Eight people died. Uh, and then you had this happen, uh, this this shooting in Texas where I think it's 26 people. I always hear conflicting numbers. It's always either 26 or 27. People keep bouncing back and forth. Either way, it's awful. Kids. Uh, it, the thing that hit me real hard is like when they started describing this church, uh, this is this – is, it sounds almost exactly like the church that I first started going to in a small town, Metamora, Michigan, about – 40 to 50 people every Sunday. I think that's why this hurts so bad because I almost everybody can envision this. Everybody's been to a church like this. Yeah. I, I mean, if you're if you've been attending church any length of time in your life, there's a good chance you've been to a small church as a child, you know, with your parents or grandparents or as an adult, you know, just checking out the church around the corner. I, I think this this whole thing is is extremely relatable, which made it extremely hard for me to to lock in and get details on this. Yeah, I mean, also to also at the same time, like I'm, it's just kind of all coming to me. Like this is how um, this is about the size of what the church that I was a part of in Flint was. Uh, this was the size. Like you know, every person in that congregation 20 26 dead 20 injured out of 50 nearly everybody yeah oh my gosh and the age range from infants to 
little children to elderly women pregnant yeah I pregnant mean, women so not i'm sh- i'm sure by now most everybody's heard the details but the way i understand it and i don't know all the details yeah a guy in full body armor who may have had a domestic abuse record a dispute with his mother-in-law mm-hmm. uh walked into the church and i think climbed up on the roof and opened fired and then reloaded and went back in and before the um neighborhood caught on to what was going on and and a and a few individuals from within the neighborhood started returning fire back on him identified the shooter because he was dressed in full body armor and chased him down yeah I actually watched an interview with the with the man who chased him down. Yeah, I watched it too. It was uh, it was something to behold because here is this man who who we we would classify a hero. I mean, this is a guy who put put himself in harm's way in order to 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 do something to stop this man. And the police even came out and said like he had multiple he had more firearms and more ammo in his SUV that he the the shooter did that he drive that he got away with. Um, yeah. And so who knows what would have happened afterwards. But then here's this guy who hears shooting. He runs out of his house barefoot to chase this guy down, actually shoots him twice, once in the chest and once in the leg from the reports that I heard. And uh, then he just he found a random citizen that was driving by in his truck, and they both got in the car and chased after this guy yeah. until the police got there. And the guy said in the interview, like, when the police got there, he heard over a lot, the loudspeaker, like, hey, driver, put your hands up, walk away from the car. And the guy, the guy who, the the gentleman that's the hero here, uh, put his gun down, start walking back towards the police officer and say, no, you get back on your gun. Like, we need help because not, not all the officers were there yet. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is, this is a situation, obviously, this is something that is just evil. This is, this is just an evil man who with evil intentions and he acted on those intentions and committed an awful, awful just crime against humanity. Yeah. It's, 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 it's hard in, in these situations to pay the people respect that they deserve because you don't know them. Yeah. And it's easy to be reactionary. And that's, and that's, that's all you've seen on social media. Like I, that's all I've seen on social media well, today. It's, to, to be honest, that's where my mind goes. Yeah. Is, you know, why would God allow something like this? Mm-hmm. Um, everything in between to, he got demons upstairs. <laughs> I don't know what's going on up there. Uh, I get I get reactionary. So I mean, um, why did this church deserve this? Yeah. Or what do they do to deserve this? That's that's my legalism creeping in. Like, what evil did this church do to deserve this? Mm-hmm. That's legalism one hundred and one. That's my poor brain and its attempt to rationalize anything. Yeah. When something like this goes, you know, very well could have done nothing wrong. Probably did nothing wrong to deserve this mm-hmm. to was there a security team in place? What kind of safety provisions, you know, and you start analyzing it's, it's, I don't know, dude, it's hard not to, 
but I, I I went through a couple of the different news reports, and they start reading off names and explaining family members, and you know, individuals lost his parents, lost his wife, lost three of his children, just I mean, gone on a Sunday morning. Like nobody deserves that. No, nobody. But I think that kind of ties into our conversation that we had last week about death. And I'm I'm not trying to make light of anything, but like this is like we said yesterday or last week that death is an unnatural state, but yet we still have death. And I think this this event and along with other events, like let's just insert the terrorist attack or the uh, mass shooting that happened in Las Vegas five weeks ago, that this world is broken and this isn't this this isn't how god made the world like when you go back to genesis you look in genesis and it says that when god was done he said that everything was very good and then what happens next and we see in genesis 3 is when sin enters the world and that's when we see death enter into the world and that's when we see the evil enter into the world and it's not long before we have the first murder between cain and abel and we just see this digression from what we had in the garden to what we have today and it's just it's it's heartbreaking and it's and it's these moments when i when i see when i see the the carnage that an evil person has made that you just it's like jesus can you come back now jesus like can we just all go home now yeah cuz this is this is this is too much and all all i can do as a person in michigan like and this is the thing that really that really grinds my gears jason uh like when people say like your thoughts and prayers aren't enough and that's what a lot of people say like a lot of people say like our thoughts and prayers are with the people in Sutherland Sutherland Springs Texas and I've seen I've seen on on social media on Twitter that some people say well your thoughts and prayers aren't enough it's time for action let's let's pass legislation let's do this let's do that and I'm like with anything can we just can we just wait a second can we just pump the brakes here a second and just mourn with those who mourn yeah and that's that was the thing that really up, upset me a little bit this with all this. That's that's why like I know everybody knows the details, but I feel obligated to repeat them because these are real people. Yeah. And people can identify with being in a small church like that. Like I can only imagine being in one of the churches that I grew up in and having that happen mm-hmm. where everybody takes a bullet. Yeah. I mean, 95% of everybody in that room took a bullet, Yeah, young and old. And then seeing that, I, I was happy to hear that they're, um, they're already taking provisions and getting people therapy or yeah. somebody to talk to, counselors, because they're going to need it. Yeah. I mean, everybody involved in that whole entire situation, that whole entire church is going to need somebody to talk to. Yeah. And... and try to reason things just try and talk some things through i mean like it's the same it's the same care and respect i hope that we can give to anybody who goes through a traumatic situation like you need somebody to talk to like they do the same thing with our police officers like if they go through a a shooting or they're part of something that that something happens they watch their 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 fellow officers get killed or something like that they they have uh people that they can talk to. And I know sometimes it's not, it's not really looked upon uh, 
really well if you're quote unquote talking to a psychiatrist or, you know, to use the really, you know, derogatory term, a, a shrink, if you're talking to a shrink, but that's exactly what people need. They need somebody who knows what they're doing in order to talk to somebody who's gone through intense trauma like this. Yeah. So I think Alex, let's, let's do this. Let's talk about, um, let's talk about some of these reactionary things. Okay. Let's talk about, um, church security. Yeah. Um, guns, if we want to get into guns. Um, and then after that, let's talk about evil. Yeah. And then let's talk about how God redeems all this. Yeah. Because I think that's incredibly important. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the reactionary stuff, I mean, people going on about uh, church security. Do churches need security or do they not need security? Uh. Unfortunately, I think yes. And I hate to say that. Yeah, and so here's my 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 response is definitely yes. And not just for events like this, but anytime you have a group of people gathering together in in a public place, um I think it's just wise to have somebody who's intentionally looking out for this sort of thing. Yeah. Not just this, but other things too. It's like, take for instance, like uh, my wife plays roller derby Mm -hmm. on hand at every roller derby bout is a paramedic in case somebody gets injured. Now I'm not suggesting all churches need a paramedic on hand, but if you're going, say you attend a mega church and there's going to be four to 5,000 people there, yeah. I would kind of hope they had a paramedic there because chances are an elderly person might fall. <laughs> or yeah. We had a situation at our church where a young kid just passed out and hit his head real hard. I mean, and our church has a security team and they were right there to help that kid and get him to the hospital within minutes of the whole thing happening. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't have got them to the hospital that quick if they didn't have people intentionally keeping an eye out on the people mm-hmm. keeping an eye out on for on others so i i definitely think um yeah some sort of security you know is extremely beneficial. And let's like let's break this whole notion that the church is full of good people who wouldn't harm anybody. Like that's just not the case. No. It's it's no different than it's almost no different than going to a bar. I mean, as far as a mixed bag, you can go to a bar and you can meet some good and awesome people. You can meet some real jerks too. Yeah. I mean, you, that, that's... you can get the same walking into a church. Right. Especially a seeker-sensitive church who is inviting everybody in, which is what we want to do. Yeah. I mean, it could be a mixed bag environment. We always invite people to come because we want people, This we want our, our church services to be another avenue for where people hear the gospel. And I mean, that's that's what we, we cater our, our services to. And so, like, yeah, exactly, Jason, like the, you said. The more people you bring in, the greater requirement for safety provisions. And... I think, too, uh, I think one of our pastors said, Alex, that um, one, the, one of the leading causes of church growth is going to a church where people feel safe. Yeah. Especially with children. Yeah. Like, our church has done, well, like, I'll, not mentioning names, a black eye in our church's past, we had a guy who was accused of molesting children. 
not at our church, at other places. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, he was not, you look on the news or you look in the paper and you see a child molester and they look creepy and everything. This guy didn't look like that. Yeah. He was a friend to everybody. He was a business person. And not to say, too, He was that, likable. He was yeah. lovable. He was funny. He was outgoing. I mean, it it would blow, like, it It kind of blows my mind thinking about it. And it shouldn't. Like, yeah. this stuff happens. But this is one of the reasons why we have background checks. Mm-hmm. While at our particular location, we sign our children in. Why they remodeled the rooms so... Um, it's easier to get easier to check kids in and out. It's, it's, uh, it's blocked off. So no random person can walk down there. You have to have your ticket to pick up your child kind of thing. And like, yeah, that seems ridiculous. It seems like you're in a church and you shouldn't have to do those things, but you you have to, I mean, it's, it's, if you can promise me. That nothing will ever, ever, never, ever, ever happen to my child, then I'll give you my child. But the thing is, I know reality. Yeah. And you can never make you can never make a promise to me that says, okay, I'll just blindly hand my child to these people who I don't know. Yeah. But exactly. I I worked. So when I worked at the church, I felt like, man, like even as as a as an employee of the church. I had to go, I did background checks like every other month. Like yeah. I kept having to sign stuff and like kept, they, you know, they kept checking me, FBI checks, background checks, different ones. I remember when we started the church in Flint uh, all, uh, back in, gosh, it's 2013 now. It's crazy to me. It's four years Holy ago. Holy cow. That, that is nuts. Um, we had paid security for the first few, for the first almost year that the church was there. Yeah, And then after that, you know, we had a few people that stepped up and volunteered so we didn't have to pay for a, a specific security person to sit in there. And the way our church, the way the Flint church was set up, um, you'd walk in the door and you'd walk into like a lobby area. And if you went to the left, you'd walk into the sanctuary. And if you went to the right, there was a staircase where the bathrooms were and also where all the kids stuff was in the basement. Yeah. And so... I can remember multiple times uh, it was a Wednesday night, which we didn't have our security volunteers there and I would be teaching Bible study because I was the location guy for that. And I had, uh, kids in the basement. I had a lot of women and a couple guys in the sanctuary with me. And I carried almost every Wednesday night when I taught there Yeah, because I was the only guy and I could see both entrances, all the, all the, all the doors were locked except for the, the two entrances into the lobby and God forbid. And this is something that I found out later that we did have, uh, a pedophile that lived down the street from where the church was. So it was something always on the back of our mind. Like we have to protect the kids, especially if somebody's not paying attention, somebody can walk in, go down in the basement and it would be minutes, which yeah. minutes is a long time in these situations yeah. before some, we could get some, a situation can take place and we'd have to you know intervene. And so, and we had lots of guys that would just kind of walk in. Like there would, there would be a couple guys, you could smell the beer on their breath. They were drunk, but they just needed a place to go pee. And so they, thankfully they didn't just pee outside in the church. They came in the, the church and they, you know, used the bathroom facilities and they left. Yeah. But there was always a guy in the back making sure like, okay, where's this guy going? Yeah. Is he going to, to the kids' rooms or is he just going to the bathroom? And if he's just going to the bathroom, more than welcome. Or if he wants to come sit in the sanctuary, that's fine. But I think it's wise 
to for churches to have some sort of security. Yeah. Especially you're putting you're you're putting kids you have kids and people there that are just that are unarmed that are just sitting there completely oblivious to the fact that they they may be part of they may become a casualty at one point. Yeah. So it's it's just good to have somebody there that's actually keeping watch. Yeah, speaking of speaking of kids before we move on to guns, but um I think it's our Holly location when they design the children's rooms. All the walls are glass. Like a little plexiglass or yeah. or whatever, but you can see through all the class. You can see exactly what if you're a parent and this is the first time you're dropping off your kid, you can easily spot your child. Yeah. And like, I don't know. To me it's stuff like that that goes a long way. And yeah. not that all the churches can afford that, but uh I don't know. It's it's one of those comfort safety things. If you're, like, if you're I'm gonna... dropping off my precious child to and handing them over to people I don't know. And like I don't care if it's a and honestly, like none of you listening, like it doesn't matter if you're you're walking into a church or any other place, like like you need to be concerned because there's there's creepers out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean I think that's something that churches should spend the money on, especially if they have if you have two kids, if you have one kid in your in your kids' ministry, yeah. Like spend the money, make sure the kids are safe before yep. you start spending the money on the sound system, the lights and all that stuff. It, if like, like you said before, Jason, we have a, a mutual pastor friend who said like, if people feel safe, then they will start to come and gather there. But if they don't feel safe, you're going to have a hard time growing that church. I guarantee it. I guarantee if there was a church deciding, well, do we get new sound equipment for the praise band or do we make sure the children are better protected? Yeah. Which one of those is going to have better value as far as like people coming and visiting our church? the protected children yeah like i don't know um, maybe it's because i have kids but to me that's that seems like a no-brainer but anyway so alex you were, you were saying at your flint location yeah you carried yeah I, and that was another that's another topic that keeps bringing up should security carry guns yeah or not now i mean i think this is an interesting dynamic to our show because it's not that I'm an anti-gun guy. No. I don't own a gun. I've never shot a gun. Not a big fan of guns. I don't have a problem with a handful of individuals with concealed weapons. Like, to a point, especially uh, at our church, where I feel like these people are family and friends and I know them well. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel safer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I mean a lot of and a, not that I would trust everybody with a concealed yeah. weapon, but I'm just even even in our church, uh, we have a lot of law enforcement in our in exactly. our church. Exactly, so do we too. So like we have, I, I have a I have a friend of mine who I want to get on the podcast one day, but he he does security at the church, and that's just another way he serves because yep. you know he's if he's not playing you know music or whatever, like he's he he's one of those guys who's trained to seek out situations like you know, is this person a threat? And he's able to sit in the back and watch and make sure that you, uh, the, the, the people in the, in the gathering, in the service can feel safe because he's yeah. back there. And I know for a fact he carries, he always carries. I mean, he's, he's got a badge, so he carries wherever he is yeah. anyway. But like for me as a, as a concealed pistol license holder, like you have to go through classes, you have to go through training. They just don't, I remember there was a guy at my concealed pistol license class who could not 
pass the shooting requirements and they're like you're done if you can't if you can't put the rounds into the target from this range there's you have no business carrying a, a, a pistol because a, somebody who's untrained with a pistol or any type of firearm for that matter is more dangerous uh than if if you didn't have a if you didn't have a gun at all and so that's why like for me personally, because I have this responsibility of being somebody who has a concealed pistol license, I regularly go to the range and I shoot, make sure that I'm still, I still have the skills in order to accept the responsibility. And, it's, and, and, and that's exactly how I view it as a responsibility. It's not something like, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to be John Rambo. I have a gun that I wear all the time. No, that's not it at all. Yeah. It's something that I'm constantly like, especially if I go to the store with, with my girls, if I'm my wife and my daughter and I, we go to like target or something. And if, if you know anything about the state of Michigan, we're the number two state for sex trafficking. Yes. And so I'm constantly on the lookout, especially with a wife and with a young daughter oh, man. looking for threats. Dude, and, there were some videos on that, that popped up on Facebook that are not in our, in our area, but nearby. It's some it's, creepy stuff. It's, it's, the, it's all the surrounding water and all the highway system here. It just lends itself to, trafficking it's, it's bad it's brutal and so that's why like that's why i have one and so when i when i see when i again and this is and this is where we'll, we'll have a divide I'm, I'm sure some of you out there in our audience they you probably think that i maybe shouldn't have a gun or you think that guns are actually the problem and i'm saying i hear you okay i understand that you're upset you you disagree with me but i'm saying i think there is some benefit for people who are trained, who are who know what the heck they're doing, especially police officers or people that are like me that are just regular citizens, but we, I have access to a shooting range and I shoot often and I try and train as much as I can to have a pistol to combat evil if evil should ever rise its head. Yeah, and I, like, for me, a non-gun owner, I'm not anti-gun, but probably as, as close as one could be. I, you I won't shoot a gun. I, yeah, won't. I won't shoot a gun. I don't even know how to turn a safety on. Like, I'm the complete opposite of you in that regard. Like, if there were a gun laying on the ground next to a mound of snowballs, I would probably pick up the snowball first and defend myself. <laughs> like, maybe I could get a piece of ice in his eye. Like, <laughs> I, I would feel more comfortable picking up a snowball than a gun. Yeah. And, and probably safer for everybody that I pick up the snowball. Like, honestly. But I do feel more comfortable knowing that there are people like you and people in my family and and others through our church who do train themselves do go through the all the you know proper requirements and can still like okay open carry still makes me a bit nervous i so can can i just speak to that real quick well like i i know people who open carry and i i, I know them and it's not a problem cuz i know them and they're good people i'm just going to say this this is this is alex ryman opinion uh, Alex Ryman opinion. Yeah, if we an need open carry. You want to make yourself a target? Open carry. Oh, I didn't think you would say that just now. If you want to make yourself a target, open carry. The, to me, like, if I don't know the person, like, um, a couple years ago. But I support, if, if you do open carry, I support your right to open carry. I'm just saying from a, from a philosophical standpoint, like, as, as, a, as somebody who's quote-unquote defending... It makes more sense to me to conceal carry because otherwise, like if I'm a bad guy and you have to think this way sometimes, like if I was a bad guy, like where would I hide out? Where would I go? What would be my strategy? Like, oh, there's a guy with a gun. I'm taking him out first as opposed to 
there's a guy with a hoodie on. He may have a gun. He may not have a gun. I don't know. Yeah. So that, that's just my personal thought on open carry. I support people's right to open carry. I know friends who I have friends who do the same thing. But I'm just saying, from a philosophical standpoint, I think it does more harm than good. Yeah. I mean, we were in a Mancino's a while ago, just getting some grinders with the family, and this old guy walks in with open carry, and that may have been the first time I've seen somebody open carry into a restaurant and it made me extremely uncomfortable well that's the thing like i don't know this guy yeah i I don't know if he's like is he old man nice or old man crazy does he have an angry problem like well that's the thing we have there is this a little bit of a a stigmata with guns where like is it stigmata or is it just stigma stigma yeah stigmata something else yeah completely different yeah stigmata is something really (laughs) scary actually It's really scary. Stigma. I'm with you. Sorry. A, a stigma about guns that guns are bad. And yes, guns, you know, we, you watch the movies and you see the stuff like you do in the news and you, you can, I can see how honestly a lot of people could uh, uh, take guns as being, is being evil and some, something that's only used as a tool for evil. Like I remember growing up as a little kid and actually the Babylon Bee, you know, played this up pretty well. Like I thought guns were bad for a long time as a young, young child, because that's what shot Bambi's mom. And <laughs> wow. it's like, and my, my mom and my grandpa, cause I was living with my grandparents at the time with my mom had to tell me like, no, like that's what my, my grandpa's a huge hunter. So obviously he dispelled that myth right away. Like, yeah. You know, they got to eat Bambi's mom and it probably tasted good. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, but, um, but they had to tell me like, no, there's not, not, Every not every gun is evil. It's the people who use the guns that are evil. Or there's also good people that have guns, like police officers, or like the man who chased down this evil wacko. I can't remember his name. Uh, who, the guy who shot up the church, but it doesn't matter. But the guy's name, the guy who chased him down, Steve. His name's Stephen W. I just know his his last <laughs> initial. That's, uh, that's good though. Uh, people are with you. He also had a gun and he used it for good purposes instead. So. Yeah, I mean, I I can't say I would never own a gun. I can tell you, like... What about a BB gun? What if we start you out small? Well, you have Nerf guns. I have Nerf guns. So, okay, what if we start you out small? I am pretty lethal with a Nerf gun. You, I mean, what's more, you've shot bottle rockets at people before. I mean, that's basically the same thing. Yeah, (laughs) I have shot bottle rockets at people Uh, with great success, I might add. Um, Maybe you should just have a bunch of bottle rockets on your your dresser or your bedside table. Yeah, gotcha. No, I will say this before we move off the topic of guns. Jess and I were camping earlier this year. Yeah, and we picked up a campsite that was like on the far back edge of the campground, and nobody else was camping around us. I mean, we are three football fields away from the nearest camp. It was actually pretty cool until nighttime hit. And we were backed up to the woods, and I start hearing stuff in the woods. I'm like, dang it. If that's a bear, we're screwed. And, like, to me, that's like, okay, like, I could see owning a gun in this situation. Um, I might have been better off just playing dead. <laughs> Is that, isn't that what they tell people anyway? I mean, if... Well, were you in Michigan? That's black bears. So yeah. black bears are a little bit smaller. But like with a grizzly, it's like you're just better off playing dead because even if you have a gun, there's no chance that you're going to kill that thing. No, I, you know my role in a zombie apocalypse, don't you? What? Sacrifice. <laughs> you, I will sacrifice go, myself you guys for the benefit ahead. of others. 
until the point I'll be collecting berries because I don't hunt either. So if you need some berries, I'll collect berries, some natural laxatives, if you will. So before we move on, is there any sort of like biblical validation for maybe having a security or... Because I, I have some thoughts on that because a lot of a lot of people, you know, they if, if the Bible clearly told me, like, don't have any swords, like, because obviously because this is written in first century, it don't have any swords. Uh, I probably wouldn't own firearms because I'm, I'm going to follow what God's word said. But the reason why I think the way I do is partially due in part to a couple of passages in Scripture that I'm. I hope that I don't take out of context, but like, especially, uh, the story of Esther in particular, where you have Haman, who's an evil, he's, he's, he's the first Hitler. He wants to kill all the Jews. And, uh, and he said, he makes a law saying on this day, we can kill all the Jews. And then Esther goes before the King. And if you know the story well, from your, your felt board Bible class, uh, Esther goes before the king, King Ahasuerus. Oh, flannel graph? Yeah, that's what that's called. Okay. I didn't have any of those. I did. <laughs> totally had the flannel graph going. I, I graduated right from uh, flannel to, or the, what is it, flannel graphs? Right to like, all right, let's get into some hardcore theology. Tulip, let's go. Oh. That was that was my Sunday school experience. <laughs> yeah. This is probably why the way I am. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Esther goes before the king. And instead of repealing the law because the king can't repeal the law, she instead makes a new law saying that the Jews can defend themselves on that day. And so take it or leave it for what whatever it is. I, I read that and I say, okay, there's there's some biblical ground here for for an instance of self-defense. Now I'm ta- now I'm not talking about retaliation. I'm talking about self-defense, because retaliation, we know what Jesus says about that. Uh go to go to Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five for for said uh bible text so and then there's another instance in the gospels in particular a little bit more recent history where jesus says you know i i told you when i first sent you out to not have a money bag to not have like a cloak or anything like that but now i'm telling you take a money bag with you and if you have if you have a if you don't have a sword buy a sword sell your cloak and buy a sword and so for what, from what I take that is, okay, there's there's going to be seasons where you may need some type of defense. And that's in that's Luke 22:36. That's the reference that I'm referring to. So that's that's my mindset whenever whenever I shoot guns. Now I do shoot guns for recreational purposes. I shoot sporting clays with my family and that's actually a really fun just game that we play where you see if you can shoot the little clay pigeon. Like that's fun. But Primarily, the reason why I have guns is is for defensive purposes, especially because I have two two women who live in my house, three women if you count the dog, but the dog doesn't really need defending. And yeah. Faye, Faye needs some defending. She's not a very vicious dog. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen her like you haven't. I seen just her. saw her get trapped behind a door, Alex. That was not blocked in any way. <laughs> I'm not singing. She's lassie. <laughs> no, not to like throw a wrench at you i mean if you can dodge a wrench you can dodge a ball absolutely right? um i don't know your your references seem like a bit of a stretch to me okay but i i'm not like discounting them i haven't studied them especially in that fashion i would i, with, would, inc- I would encourage you to look at the text because again if you try obviously everybody has bias but if you look if you just look at the story like okay 
there's instances of self-defense. This is actually where I had a, there, uh, there's an article out there that John Piper wrote, and I completely disagreed with him on, on the issue of self-defense, and he cites uh, Matthew 5 as a reason for not that's, self-defense. That's where I was going to go on, turn the other cheek. Yeah, and, but that's not necessarily... So, again, we can we can go back and forth and play out scenarios, but, yeah, I'm not saying retaliation. I'm saying in the moment, self-defense. Like, you wouldn't tell... You wouldn't tell you wouldn't tell your your family member who you love who's getting raped to just turn the other cheek. Why wouldn't you say defend, especially if it was, say, a child of yours? I'd rather that person be dead. Just saying. Yeah. That's not necessarily retaliation. Now, if, if they had committed the act and I went after them for that, that is retaliation. Yeah. And that's all I'm trying to say. But, again, we can agree to disagree. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not prepared biblically to to really comment on them. I'm just, I just saying it sounded like a stretch, but like I said, I haven't looked at those texts in that light. So our study to them to know what the context of each is. And hey, as you you as the listener, you this is this is something that if you want to chime in on this, I'm down. No, that's a good Alex. I I would appreciate people's feedback on that. You can disagree with me, and I'll probably obviously disagree back. But again, this is the whole purpose of why we have this platform is for people to have the dialogue and for people to to share ideas and thoughts, in order that we may come to a maybe fuller understanding of who our God is. Yeah. Now, so moving on a little bit, you know, you want to talk about evil for a little bit because this is what this act truly is, in my oh, opinion. Oh my goodness! So like. Not to make light of it or anything, but going with movie references. Yeah. In the third Star Wars. Yeah. When Anakin kills the young. Oh, ranks. you're talking that that first trilogy. I thought you were gonna go the six no, episode six episode and go six. Return of the Jedi at least. Ep- episode three. You gotta go to that abomination. Episode three is. It's decent, but is good. I got my hopes up like you were gonna go Return of the Jedi. No, <laughs> I, I don't mind the first three actually. Okay. I've. That's neither here or there. The whole point is. I know I don't like Jar Jar Binks, but uh, who is a Sith Lord? Uh, (laughs) um, He he was. You can look it up. (laughs) Like if you can make it through the video, is Jar Jar Binks a Sith Lord? It's pretty damning. It is. So you got to make it through the first five minutes of the video because it starts off kind of comical, but it gets into some serious. Like anyway, when. One of the hardest scenes for me to stomach in that in the whole entire Star Wars series is when Anakin kills the younglings. And not that it shows anything. Yeah. But to me I see that scene and this is what movies movies are an art form that is are you know, written and recorded to get a reaction out mm-hmm. of you. Like to me that's pure evil. Yeah. Like that paints his character. He's he's gone to the dark. He has pure evil, and to see this guy unload on children, he's pure evil. Yeah. It's... Whether he's pure evil or he's demon possessed or something of the, any, any of that nature, like like to me, it's 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 pure evil. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no real other word for it, and I I wish that. In our dialogue as as citizens in this in this nation in this world, that we would use that word a little bit more often in these type of situations to say like, 
okay, this guy was just plain evil. Yeah. He did something that is unspeakable, but here we are dealing with it. And I, and again, I'll, I'll go back to what I said before. These, these type of events show me and should show us all that this world is still so broken and that the fact that we have this evil in this world, like it, it should make our stomachs churn when we see stuff like this. And I think it does. I'm not saying that it's, it doesn't. I'm just saying I think it should make us really long for something better and really kind of like solidify the idea like, okay, we live in the United States. Obviously, living in the United States, we're very blessed. Like most of, most days of the week, like we feel safe. We have food. We have running water. We have indoor plumbing. We have all these amenities that a lot of other nations don't have. But even in the United States, there should be a part of us when we see stuff like this happen that goes, yeah, there's something better than this. Yeah. And that's why we can confidently say, along with Paul, like, we are citizens of a, of a kingdom that is way better than this. And that's the thing that we should long for. That's the thing that we should hope for. And in the meantime, we're going to tell everybody that we can possibly tell about that kingdom and about its true king, who is Jesus. Yeah, I'm just kind of picturing in the back of my mind, somebody might say, you know, well, you're like the extremists who would say, well, you're a gun owner. and Now you're telling people to hope for something better and you won't need that in heaven. And yeah, you won't because it's heaven and everything will be perfected. Yeah. So even even our human reasoning and logic will be perfected. I don't know. I just kind of got mad just now thinking about that. But about what? Just the fact that play it out, man. Think it out. That's, no, all, that's that, what all last week's episode was. Was just me playing out thinking about death. Yeah. No, just that somebody m- might still get angry with like I don't know, the the backing of your your biblical text even though I I said they seem like a stretch to me, are carrying a weapon or taking weapons into church, right? Because there's still those people out there who say, well, they're designed to kill. And well, so why would you, if you're a citizen of a, of a peaceful realm in heaven, then why would you... Because at this current moment, I'm a sojourner in a sinful world. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's exactly where I'm at. Yeah. So we're doing the best that we can. We're doing the best of what we can with what we have. Yeah. And it's not like, I wish I didn't have to carry, because sometimes carrying a gun can be uncomfortable. I'll just, I'll just, especially when I was really letting myself go and my, my, the waist, my pants waist was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It just got uncomfortable. It was getting a little squishy on you. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you, you take off your pants and have a little gun imprint. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, I wish I didn't have to do that. It's not like. Me as a gun owner, especially, like, I'm looking for a fight. I'm not looking for a f- I don't want to fight. And that's one of the things that I really took away from the the interview from from Steven, the, the, the hero of uh, in this situation. He w- didn't want this. He's like, I could have easily just stayed in my house. That's that's kind of where I'm getting, Alex. Is, so there are going pe- to be people who see that guy and say he's not a hero. And I disagree. I disagree, too. Um, but, so that that's that's where the anger comes in. Like yeah, that guy did the best that he could do with his reasoning and his skill, and as he claimed it, you know, insight from the Holy Spirit because he claimed he was a Christian. Yep, 
and he did the best in that situation. So did Ehud in the Old Testament when he stabbed an evil king through the gut <laughs> until the poop came out the back. Yeah, I mean, you, you've tied it in right there, didn't yeah. you? <laughs> Book of Judges, people. It's it's crazy. So what, what else? No, I was going to say, too, like, I don't know. I've been kind of studying this in the background, uh, attacks from Satan. Like, I don't want to let the shooter off the hook. And the fact that, you know, sometimes people use like, well, a demon made me do it or the devil made me do it. And it sounds like an excuse. And I'm not saying that this guy is claiming this or was claiming this. Even so, in a spiritual sense, I see this as an attack from Satan on the, on church. the church. Like, it's it's hard, and maybe I'm being over-spiritual about it. It's, no, don't, man. It's hard for me not to see this, as a, especially uh, just the, ta- the, the taking of life, in particular, in the studies that I have done, um, the taking of innocent life is extremely valuable to Satan. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that God says he hates. Yeah. Like there's like everybody says all sins are equal. It's like, well, there's certain things that God says he particularly hates. Yeah. And so go look up in I think it's Proverbs 5. And one of those things is the taking of the shedding of innocent blood. And yeah. I, and I, and then I I'll say this. I don't know if you were I don't know if you were going with this, but can I can I take your train of thought here a second and run with it? Yeah, cuz I was almost going to get to conspiracy level, so it might be better that I So stop. Because I've been researching the occult and the, oh, the craziness man. that goes into that, so and it's not healthy. <laughs> is is equal of I agree with you that this is this is an attack like this is an attack from Satan. I I I don't think you're overstepping your bounds at all saying that 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 this is what this is. This is Satan attacking the church. Whether this guy was actually demon possessed or whatever, the the events that have transpired, the this the small influence that Satan has on this world, like this is this is what happened. I can't picture Satan not looking at that and being excited. Yeah, exactly. In the same respect or in the opposite end of that, I mean, for 2,000 years, the church has been constantly under attack. Yeah. Constantly. I mean, there's there's stories of martyrs all throughout the 2,000 years that the church has been in existence. And you, the, thing, the thing about the church, you know, the church in Rome, or the church during Roman times, or the church during, like, uh, barbarian times. I was watching a Netflix uh, documentary and talking about how, what the the Vikings did to Christians that were just, you know, hey, we're trying to be Christians here. And they're like, oh, well, you need to, we're just going to decapitate you and rape your women. Like there's constantly been attacks against the church for the past 2000 years. But yet Jesus said that the church will endure. The church will stand like when Christ instituted the church, the, the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And that's one of my favorite passages in the New Testament. Not that one in particular, but uh, Ephesians five, yeah. and we take that and husbands and wives, and you know, husbands treat your wives real nice and stuff. But I think the real imagery there is Christ and the church, and Christ will present the church spotless to Himself because He is God. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like okay, you, you get this glimpse of this picture of the end of everything, yeah, and the church is there, yeah, and the church is perfected. To 
to me, that gets exciting, especially looking at the church now and seeing how much of a broken mess it is. Right. That something good will come out of the mess. Yeah. Is exciting to me. Yeah. I mean, I, that's the thing. Like, this this event has happened. Guess what? The following, this coming Wednesday for midweek services or this coming Sunday, the church will still gather together to worship Jesus. The church as a whole. Yeah, the church as a whole. And there's nothing, there's no governments. And, and I think it's really interesting. I hear a lot of pastors do this. Like they run through the different global empires that have come and gone since the church's existence. Oh, man, that would be insane That's, to sit through. It's it's insane to sit through. Like when you sit through like the Roman Empire or like the, what are some of the other ones? Like even through like the for, through the Crusades and the Muslim conquest or like, you, you know, England's great empire that it had at one time. And even after America is all said and done, the church will, I don't know how long we're going to be around for, but here's what I do know. The church is still going to be here. Yeah. Long after the United States of America is gone. Yep. So. And it will still be in the process of being perfected mm-hmm. until the end. That's, that's crazy to me. Yeah. And, and awesome to think about. Um, man, Alex, dude, I sent you a link to... Because you and I, we go to the same church, but we have we go to different locations, so we have yeah. different pastors on it. And I told you, our pastor nailed it out of the park. Yeah, I mean, and I could say this like, "I love you, buddy." Not all your sermons are great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've listened to you long enough and have been taught by you on how to preach long enough to I can tell when you're mailing it in, but. This, I'm sure he appreciates that, yeah. hearing that. He, he knows. I, you know You know what? That's the way I am, though. I usually don't let people know when they're doing a bad job, but I'll make sure he knows when I think he did good. And I, I send him a text after this one because it was a great sermon. Yeah. And talking about all the pain and suffering that our church in particular has been through just in the past year. Mm-hmm. Um. And a lot of hardships he's dealt with as a pastor. And I'm not, I'm not talking about um, a church split or anything of that fashion. I'm talking about brutal deaths and just like just funerals for kids that have just died too young and like yeah. Just, um, and, but and not and not just one at a time, like compounding. Like it's, I I was, cry, I was tearing up, borderline just crying in my kitchen as I was listening to that. So, yeah. It was it was brutal, but I mean the the takeaway was just beautiful. Yeah, because in there he makes the point that God does not waste pain. Yeah, and I don't know if I've I've ever heard. I know I know for a fact that I I haven't heard of suffering being looked in in that light. Mm. Like, yes, pain and suffering. And him talking in his sermon specifically about children deaths and saying, why, God, you can raise the dead. You can raise this child. Why are you letting them die? And that's the same question I had when I saw this church down in Texas. And I saw, not that I saw specifically, but you hear the accounts from people and all the children involved. Why? Why did any of that happen? And here he is saying the same thing, but then he makes the point that God does not waste pain mm-hmm. and that there will be redemption in this, that God will use this for good. 
even though we don't know how. And yeah. at this point, I can't even picture it. Like, I would love to, like, I love having answers. I'd love to paint, like, this rosy picture of, well, this is exactly what God's going to do in this situation. I don't know. No, nor do I. Yeah. And sometimes it's even hard to see the assurance that's there. But I know God doesn't waste pain. Like, this isn't going to go without... We know from, like, history and count- justice. countless... You know, if countless events in the in the New Testament, Old Testament, and even in our own time here in the 21st century, just God, because hindsight's always 2020, right? Like we can we can look back at an event and say, like, confidently, not every time, but confidently, like, okay, like this is why God did this. Like I can even think of like my own experience of being laid off. Like I, this isn't what I planned for. I didn't get plan. I didn't plan to get laid off, and being laid off is in very very far from somebody experiencing a death, but still, I mean, it's, it's pain. It hurts. It sucks. I know God's going to use this for good. And I'm still in the middle of dealing with this. And I know God's going to do something with this event, because like you said, Jason, and like our pastor said, and it's, it was so powerful. God does not waste these moments. Yeah. And I, I do know, I was thinking about this when I was driving the other day, just, I just realized I wasn't even talking to the mic. So, um, I was driving the other day and I was thinking uh, about the topic of giving and everything I know biblically uh, that I've studied and I just, I know a lot about, I, let me, let me backstep there. I don't know dick about anything. <laughs> like uh, Honestly, it's, it's usually in the moments where I think I know everything, but I was thinking about the topic of giving and in New Testament giving where they gave in aid of other churches. Like they took up collections to aid other churches. Is that Thessalonica? I think that was the, or no, uh, that was maybe in first Corinthians. Oh man, I'm, I'm blanking, but yeah, I know what, I know where you're, I know where you're going with this. Go. Okay. Sorry. Sorry um, for derailing you a little bit there. Well, now you want me to get into the facts. It wasn't the Philippian church. Anyway, there was it, there Alex. was churches there was churches you you people have Bibles out there you read it yeah uh, there's there was churches even in that day even though there was extreme persecution all throughout all the Roman territories against Christians especially in in Jerusalem and they were still like pulling whatever resources that they could to help one another out especially like if there was a church that was like maybe doing a little bit better than another church they helped them out, especially ones that were under extreme persecution. Yeah. And at any rate, I was thinking, do churches still do that? Do churches to this day, as we know it, do they come to the aid of one another? And usually we're so incredibly divided by doctrine or denomination or even, even, even the same denominations are divided within themselves. Um, and again, I think that's a sign of the broken church, which will be perfected at some point. Um, but to, to me, I see opportunity here to come to the aid of a church and to, I don't know if that is a financial collection, um, maybe more importantly, an honest collection of prayer. Like, yeah. Cause I mean, what are we going to do up here apart from one, this, this news is still so new. Oh yeah. Like the the foundations the websites whatever haven't even been set up in order for some somebody to give yet so like that's why i said that thing earlier like the thing that really grinds my gears is when people say don't just pray and it's like well what else can i do yeah at this point 
short from going down the Texas. I can't do anything, and I can't do that. I can't go down the Texas right now. So all I can do, and I think I think this is when people say that, I think people really have a mis misrepresent the idea of prayer. Like when you pray, you're coming before the throne of God. Yeah, that, we need to have a whole episode on prayer. It's it's so important, and I I I fail at it a lots of times, but. Just saying from what I know, like you're taking your request before God's throne and the fact that God listens to the prayers of his people is truly remarkable. So I think we need to pray more. Yeah. No, I just, I'm just like anticipating or trying to, or how is God going to redeem this? And I know that he will. I don't know what he's going to do. And we may not know until until the end of all things. Yeah. I'm just going to keep my ear to the ground with anticipation and, and excitement to see how God redeems this. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I, I know that he will. Yeah. And because God doesn't waste pain. Yep. I think it's a, a profound statement. I think that's the big takeaway, my friend. So, do you think we hit this topic? Um... You know how I feel about every topic that we hit. No. <laughs> Maybe our meandering uh, is beneficial to somebody else. I know there's there's people going through any myriad of situations. I mean, we've we've had several guests on our show where we've we've we have firsthand accounts of of people's, you know, suffering with childhood cancer or abortion or mental illness. Yep. Like we we like to have fun on our show. We have a lot of serious shows too. Yeah. There's no shortage of heartache and pain. We've seen that in our, through our very own podcast. Um totally blanking. <laughs> Don't even know what I was going to say next. But I think again, that's the reason why our podcast is important. And I'm not just doing this to puff ourselves up, but we get to tell, we get to be, we get to sit along with the, our guests uh, and help them tell their stories and give them a platform in order to share their stories. And not because Jason and I want clicks or we want plays. Like, No, I love seeing the redemption in it. I love sharing them. I love seeing how God takes these situations and, and uses them for his glory. Because they seem, they, they seem like they can't possibly happen, you know? Yeah. Uh, but God will redeem it. Absolutely. So, Jason, do you want to maybe, as we uh, park the train in the station, is the new phrase I like to use. Oh, my gosh. You've always got a little phrase. <laughs> uh, we want to read some feedback maybe, buddy, and we can uh, land this plane. Well, let's talk about upcoming shows. Okay. Absolutely. Um, Alex, you play in a band. Uh, I wanted you to keep that a secret. No, I'm just kidding. You, you want it to be a secret? No. Alex doesn't play in a band, everybody. I just made if that you up. Go on, if you go on our website or the, our Facebook page for my band, which is called Bringing Down Broadway, uh, you can tell like I'm in the band because there's like everybody's nice, clean cut, nice haircuts, and then there's like, who's that guy with the crazy hair that's all over the place? Oh, that's Alex. So I'm, I tried to hide. I can't. I couldn't hide. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm thinking about growing my hair out long. You should. I'm I'm like seriously gonna give it a go. You want to go with that John the Baptist look? Yeah, um, you know, locusts and honey. That's I my, didn't. That's my thing. I didn't know this, but my wife told me this week at Bible study, and you were there. 
that Ada points to John the Baptist in the Jesus Storybook <laughs> Bible and says, Dead Dad. Maybe we can get a picture of that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take a picture of it and send it to you. I want to see it. No, but uh, bring down Broadway. We're going to have them on the show, and uh, mainly the two founding members of the band is who I want to have on the show. And just these guys are good friends of mine, but before I was friends with them, they were friends for a long time. So I kind of want to be have that show kind of be about friendship and then also music and yeah. just fun, fun stuff that you and I are both Sharing into. Sharing story. Yeah. Yeah, but we also, next week, Ooh. our Thanksgiving special with Hillary McBride where Boom. we take Hillary McBride to our Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, and we kind of have her walk around, analyze all of our family members and tell us why they're wrong. Yeah. And we're right. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what honestly, I want Hillary to tell. Honestly, if, if like, have you ever thought of taking your therapist to your family Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner? This is more of a holiday thing, but Thanksgiving's yeah. here. And she just gives like some pretty solid advice, I think. An insane amount of solid advice. And I'm excited to share it with everybody because it's the perfect it will be the perfect podcast for you to listen to on your, your way, way to on your way to your family event. Yeah. And we're and that's why we're releasing it not on Thanksgiving, but a week before. So people can listen to that and you know, if you're going into one of those family situations, maybe you can prepare yourself and Maybe your family's awesome and loving and everybody gets along perfectly. No, they don't. <laughs> uh, either way, um, it's it's a fun interview. It's, yeah. it's already been recorded and we, I can't wait to share it with you. Yeah. Um, All I need is green bean casserole and pumpkin pie. That's not at oh, my Thanksgiving. Oh, Jess is the green bean casserole and we don't have it at my family Thanksgiving because my aunt's allergic to green beans. What? Strike one. <laughs> if there's three strikes to you having a, like a meltdown at your family Thanksgiving, that's strike one. Uh, no oh. green bean casserole. Oh, my gosh. But I know there'll be both of those at my family Thanksgiving. I literally, Thanks, last year, because I'm not a big fan of like turkey. Yeah. And Jess said, no, never mind. Uh, I don't want strike two to already have. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up with three different types of potato on my plate. <laughs> Mashed, au gratin, and then the cheesy potatoes. Mm, oh my gosh, that was in heaven. <laughs> Good, solid, solid uh, gurgle. Yep. There. Um, some feedback though. Uh, Carrie Jellick, she says at NY Pastors, that's our Twitter handle, a Halloween episode. Too much for working by myself, I think. Too many shadows. <laughs> Shadows will get you. Which, if you ever seen the movie Ghost, they'll get you. Which I'm gonna leave them in our interview with Hillary, dude. I was so jumpy when we recorded the interview because we did our Halloween special. Then two days later, did the interview with Hillary. Yeah. And your basement was creeping me out, and I think I jumped twice, like froze in that interview. And I'm just gonna leave them in there. Yeah. Um, Rachel Maggio. I don't know if I'm saying that 100% correct. She, she spelled it phonetically. Haha, yes. My last name is very Italian. Yes. Maj, because there's like a D and a G in there, even though there's no D in her name. Maggio is how the husband says it, and I got the name from him, so we'll go with that. Nice. <laughs> uh, I'm really good at deciding what kind of names are from what countries, so hit me up. 
I like how she used the phrase the husband says. Like, I don't know. I don't know, maybe it's because I'm used to working with a bunch of dudes who always say, well, the wife. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that the was The old funny. ball and shade. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta go clean the gutters. Uh, anyway, Jason. My wife has never made me clean the gutters. You've only done it, always done it out of your own volition? Yes. Good for you. Yeah. I'm not that way. I'm, I'm like, ooh, I have a half an hour. I'm going to go play guitar. And it's like, well, oh, dang it, I should do housework instead. But well, anyway. Maybe I'm just taking care of the things that God gave me <laughs> and am a better Christian than you. So, there. You are a super Christian, <laughs> and I am just mediocre level. So, with that being said, uh, I, I feel it's unfitting to say uh, keep your stick on the ice, but I will say uh, keep taking your requests and prayers to God, guys. And we love you, and if there's anything we can do for you, just hit us up on social media. See you guys. <laughs>